You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the group think, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the conservative conscience. And welcome back to the conservative conscience here at Conservative Review, powered by Blaze Media, on the first day of this new month of March, really the first day of spring, according to the meteorologists. But we got snow here on the ground. And there is no heroin, there is no fentanyl, there is no marijuana, there are no adult beverages or other drugs served here in this town hall meeting, just the pure unvarnished truth. And that's what we're going to talk to or speak to today, the truth, rather than spending our day off in this uh, libertarian hippie association known as CPAC where we get high, literally and figuratively, have a hookup culture, which everyone knows a lot of that stuff going on there um, that's not exactly conservative, and a bunch of people that don't have any values, intellect, knowledge, vision, um, just cheer, inform people that the urine on our leg is really water, that we're winning in areas we're losing, ignoring the important issues, and of course, just vote Republican. The next election is around the corner, and it's all about the next election and the next battle, the next fight, and the next thing that the socialist left wants to do while we countenance, legitimize, and facilitate the current socialist, fiscally and culturally, Marxist policies that are put out by the left because it's all about defeating the left, not our own vision, so much so that we actually help the left. But don't worry, the next part of the left will fight until we get defeated the next time and then distract from that defeat with the next fight. I basically summed up CPAC for you. You know, I was going to have Foreign Policy Friday. A lot of things going on in the world, just foreign policy. Um, North Korea, obviously, is the big one. Syria, Israel. I wanted to have Jordan Schachtel, our national security correspondent, on to co-host today, but he is at CPAC, <laughs> and I just wasn't going to join the rest of the team there. And look, I'm not making fun of the people going there. I get it. You know, once it's a gathering where everyone goes, so everyone goes. And, you know, there's a lot of people that you, know, you haven't seen in a while. You just want to meet them. Um, I, I, I get it. I, I'd probably drop in if I were next door. I'm not. I'm, I'm north in Maryland, not, not at D.C., so... Um, it's just not worth my time. I was happy to spend the entire day yesterday on the phone with ranchers, sheriffs, doing doing the type of research that I do to try to put out the information to you that I do um, every day. And frankly, that was a lot more enjoyable and a lot more fulfilling and a lot more productive than anything I could do at CPAC. Um, before, before I start here, I just want to be clear that Someone from CPAC did reach out to me at some point to be on some sort of panel. I don't remember. So I just want to make be very fair and clear here. It's not like they didn't recognize or invite me at all. They did in that capacity, and, and that's that's fine. And there are good people they invite. It's not only Van Jones and phony conservatives and progressive libertarians, um, but that's certainly the overwhelming majority, and you know that is really the entire tenor of what they're doing. We often swing back and forth between different sport sports analogies. And for today, I'm going to go with baseball to prove our point and philosophically discuss how we undermine ourselves as a defeat mechanism in this phony conservative movement, how we distract, how we help the other side because we don't have a vision as well as getting to you know just some of the news of the day that's being distracted from that is either not being addressed at CPAC or frankly they're on the wrong side of it so i want want to start off with this analogy we're going to go with baseball for today what our 
so-called movement is all about, as embodied by this convention, is a team that would never get up for bat. They never are on offense. The Either because they don't want to or because the other team uses fake rules to say only we get at bats, you don't. And then we agree to it and legitimize it. You're right, we shouldn't get at bats. So we'll only play in the field. We're only going to play defense. And then... So you're, you're never going to score a point. So that, that's very clear. Only they will score points, and you will never score a point from day one. There, there's nothing you will do. So right away, you lost. There's nothing to win. But it's worse than that. Even playing the defense, when it's just kind of stopping your plays, your points, your, your batters, your basemen, we're not worried about this inning. You see, we're going to just sit and play with ourselves in the field, infield, outfield, while you guys hit and run around the bases, all pondering and discussing the plays we're going to, the defensive plays we're going to make in the next inning and the next inning. And you know, every, every once in a while, despite your distractions, you might catch a ground ball or catch a, a fly out. And you get an out for their team and you celebrate that like as if you won something, you know, we, we caught a ball. We, we threw it at a guy at first base. Well, yeah, I mean, eventually the inning, the inning's got to end. Eventually the other side gets three outs. All the while they scored 10 points. So ima- imagine a team like that. Imagine a baseball game like that where you don't get up for bat. Only the other team gets up for bat. You're sitting and just, um, letting every ball go through, whether it's a ground ball, whether it's a high fly, whether it's a line drive. You don't make the catches. You don't make the throws. But you're seriously concerned about the points the other side is going to try to score in the subsequent innings. And then, again, every once in a while, eventually... You know, you will catch a couple of balls seriously and then dance around the bases because you caught one of the um, flyouts or threw out a guy at the base. But all the while, they got 10 runs for that inning. And then you come to the second inning, and it's the same thing. They're up to 20 to nothing. Third inning, 30 to nothing. But I could list off, by the third inning already, I could list nine successful plays that we made three outs per time. And you know what? Even when you get to the end of the ball game, it's still nine times three is 27. We made 27 successful plays in that game. Now they might've won a hundred to nothing, but we made 27 successful plays. Well, it's over. Well, no, cause there's always the next game. Now multiply this by 160 or so games. He got a season. Well, isn't it over then? Well, no, because then there's the next season. I've just described for you the cycle of my lifetime since Reagan and the cycle that is going to continue if we don't change. And it's all embodied by the largest gathering of the people that proclaim themselves to be on that team at this uh, CPAC gathering. Email me, dhorowitz at blazemedia.com. Tweet me at armconservative. Let me know what you think is the purpose of CPAC is dot, 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 is what? What what is the purpose of it? Um, An awful lot of scarce conservative money goes into such a big event. I mean, it costs a lot of money to put that on. Um, I I just like to know what, what, what comes out of it. Which policy do we have a concerted effort on the judiciary, on immigration, on sovereignty, on election law, on foreign policy, on social values, on free markets, on healthcare, on agriculture, on education. Which area are you going to successfully roll back 
and successfully confront the current policy that's being enacted by the left in any way. Not the future thing of the most left-wing Democrats that are starting to percolate that, believe me, we're going to be dealing with five, three, five years from now unsuccessfully while proclaiming the need to win the next election and support these same people and same tactics to defeat the next iteration of it. That's essentially what's going on here. Yay, look at what we accomplished. Yay, Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, everyone exploded with applause. Um, and again, I didn't, I, I didn't watch any of this. I just watched a little bit on Twitter. I didn't attend. I didn't watch the live stream. I have better things to do. But um, you look at Mike Pence's speech, and it's literally her- political heroin and fentanyl. Dull people's senses of, of how we're somehow winning, just like that team with the three outs per inning, ignore everything the left has done and, and the pseudo-right has facilitated, as embodied by the very organizers of CPAC, who bring in Van Jones to discuss how jailbreak was so awesome to work together with conservatives undo probably one of the only successful metrics we've we've put up on the board, only successful points we put on the board the last number of years. And have him sit and promulgate the lie about how illegal immigrants commit less crime, a dastardly lie, an unbelievable lie. So... We deny that any of this exists. And then it's all about, what's the catchphrase? Defeat socialism. They're obsessed with Ocasio-Cortez. They're obsessed with her. And the irony is, what's been happening in this conservative movement is, there's the frog in the boiling water. There's... The political elites, both parties, all sides, media, academia, politics, entertainment, all sorts of foundations, and the most embodied in the business world, they're defeating us on every single issue. Every single issue is getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Not even close. And... They keep turning up the temperature in that pot. We're the frog in the boiling water. More and more and quicker and quicker. But on the outside, there's a couple of people yelling that they want to turn up that temperature even more. And we're screaming, no, don't turn up that temperature even more. All the while completely legitimizing and being okay with the temperature that's being turned up and that at that rate you're going to get there anyway relatively soon and then you're going to protest the next tranche it is amazing watching them talk about socialism when you look at this republican majority that now lost the majority in one house still has two out of the three branches but just had three branches and they have increased spending more than any other congress ever They have locked in Obamacare, lock, stock, and barrel. That was the big buzz applause line at CPAC for five years. Gone. Now we have to block Medicare for all and the Green New Deal. But, like, wait a minute. I thought we had a battle at hand, so, so you're okay with where we are so far. And, like, again, I actually like the ocasio Cortezes because if... If they are the face of the left, if we had a true right to combat it, The American people would get it. It would be enough of a jolt, of a cathartic moment. The problem is that the conservative movement is a defeat mechanism by ignoring everything the left is doing as they speak. The left has conventions here and there, but they don't really have a CPAC. 
a centralized thing like that. You know why? Because they have a successful CPAC every hour of every day. Every day they are winning in the courts. The stuff from this week alone that nobody else will focus on. One article after another I've put out. We'll link to it in show notes. Whether it's judges saying that now women are equal to men in terms of draft. Whether it's judges saying not only could could you not check for proof of citizenship, but you can't even send a notification letter to people that registered as non-citizens to say, hey, could you update your status? When you have judges, we're going to get to in a moment, saying that a temporary amnesty program that's discretionary is now mandatory and permanent, violates every statute in the book, the most illegitimate, illegal power grab from a judge, and the Trump administration legitimizes it. That we have set a baseline that any random arbitrarily picked district judge that is this very socialist we're talking about at CPAC, yet unlike Ocasio-Cortez who has no power to implement anything as an individual member, these people on the courts are doing it overnight. And they're not even talking about it, much less combating it. Every day, hundreds of illegals flood us, attenuate our language, culture, Welfare, schools, hospitals, steal our citizenship, permanently embed themselves in society. And you know what's funny, by the way, the 50 million factors that they're wrong with illegal alien crime rates. You know what's funny? Every kid that they drop here, just understand the crimes they commit go into the citizen citizen pot universe when you're making a scientific comparison. Because they're considered citizens, erroneously so. Not a single issue we're winning on. Trump's making an a-hole of himself on North Korea. There's nuance to it. It's not quite as bad as it looks. We've talked about that before. There's what to say on it. There's no vision on a single issue. Single at bat. What do we want to do? What type of plays do we want to make? And then even on defense. It's all the next inning. The next iteration. And that's the thing. I would rather actually be confronted with 100% socialism rather than the 80% socialism that they're agreeing to, the venture socialism, funneled through the corporations. Because I think that will actually bring it to a head. I'm not worried about Ocasio-Cortez for now. But that's not really a good thing. The reason I'm not worried is because Schumer and Pelosi and the Democrat establishment as far left as they are, and they're just as left as she is, but they understand that money makes the world go round and they need the, corp- the, the, the corporate world. So they agree to 90% of socialism, but there's just a little bit that Ocasio-Cortez would eliminate that would hurt the corporations that they want. The Democrat vanguard still wants to keep because they need to be in power. We need to roll it back. We need to fight the current inning. But you know what? If you're not going to do that, I'd rather Ocasio-Cortez be successful. Because at least that will jolt us to have a revolution, which is something we need already. Wholesale. But instead, the conservative movement is a defeat mechanism. It's a false flag. It is to the Democrats and to the socialism they decry what the Muslim Brotherhood is to Al-Qaeda and the violent extremism that Muslim Brotherhood officials will decry. It is nauseating watching their stuff. It's like the biggest applause line was when Pence mentioned Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. Are they unaware of the three times Kavanaugh has already screwed us? And most of them really aren't. And it's part of the problem. It's not even that they're not doing anything. They don't even know what they don't know. Are they aware of the fact that Kavanaugh has publicly said, unless he was lying at the confirmation hearings, that illegal aliens have a right to an abortion. Are they aware of the fact that Gorsuch signed on to an opinion that lays the foundation for the fact that there's due process 
for any alien on deportation. Facts and details don't matter. I don't get it. I don't get it. I get it that some, you know, there's showbiz, there's coolness in politics and media. I get it. Not everyone's going to be up on the policies and the facts and the intellect and the philosophy and mix it all together and the law. But you got to have someone who is and someone feeding people with the right stuff, directing the foot soldiers where to fight, what to fight, what it is we are fighting for. But no, basic facts don't matter. Basic facts don't matter. You know, if you had these radical judges doing what they're doing and you didn't have a Republican Party, you didn't have a conservative movement, and the American people would be like, are you kidding me? There would be a rebellion. But the Republican Party gives the notion, no, we, we've solved the problem. Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, we won. Nothing more to talk about. It's a defeat mechanism. It's worse than if everyone in that building at CPAC wouldn't exist, all those organizations, we would actually be better off. Not to mention that, frankly, most of them are downright pushing for the left on so many of the issues. And remember how I told you how jailbreak and immigration are inextricably linked legally, mechanically, politically, policy-wise, in every way, and that the very people that are pushing jailbreak really in the background support open borders, but just because Trump rhetorically, not in policy as we're going to get to, but rhetorically, has been so strong on the issue, and he's the leader of the party, and you know it's all about the party and falling in line with it, so they have to officially fall in line. So whereas jailbreak was blatantly celebrated at CPAC, open borders wasn't celebrated, but you know what? The immigration issue was an afterfact. You know, look, you have some breakout sessions, these private little rooms, not in the main ballroom, where you'll have different seminars put on. God bless them. People like Hans von Spokowski, John Fund, and maybe Jay Christian Adams might be there um, talking about the problem with election, stealing elections. Um, but again, nothing matters if we're going to countenance that a judge, a federal judge has control over that. Y you know the sick irony about this whole obsession with Medicare for all, the Green New Deal, Ocasio-Cortez, oh, we got to fight socialism even though we have socialism that Republicans already agreed to. Do you want to know that I could promise you a federal judge will implement what is essentially the Green New Deal much quicker than it will ever pass Congress. Because that's the thing. A lot of this stuff, if you have a transparent debate about it, the American people don't want it if they find out about it. How many people, aside from this audience, even know about all the stuff the court's doing? Even the bigger stuff. Because you don't have a party that cares enough that's using their venues of information dissemination to, to you know, go on the Sunday shows and talk about it. Say it's illegitimate. Push back. But nothing. Absolutely nothing. That is CPAC for you folks. The raw truth of this phony conservative movement. So anyway, I wanted to get to some of the stories we had today. Like I said, if you look at everything going on that I've been focused on, we understand already that there is no conservative movement left to actually fight for proper domestic policy. Proper role of government as it relates to what government should not be doing. Cutting spending for real, reducing the size of government, getting them out of the market distortions, this notion of redistributing wealth. No. And we have, a, unfortunately, a very polarized country as it relates to that. And, you know, the other side keeps growing. But as it relates to every American, any race, any class, 
any type of income level, almost nobody, and I know it doesn't mean almost nobody because it's a growing crazy left, but still the overwhelming majority of people don't want stolen sovereignty. The notion that foreign nationals could come here and just, you know, we have laws as to how we want to admit people. And the notion that people could just come anyway and courts could just vitiate those laws overnight and we have to deal with the consequences is unbelievable. No one else is going to focus on this on a sleepy Friday with Congress out and the color war style cheering at CPAC. But last night, the Department of Homeland Security under Kirsten Nielsen agreed to extend what's called TPS, Temporary Protected Status, a form of amnesty for roughly 300,000 illegals from Sudan, El Salvador, Nicaragua, and Haiti, the lion's share being from El Salvador, roughly 220,000 or so, um, 50,000 from Haiti, and then a small number from Nicaragua and Sudan. So they continued that. Now, TPS might sound like kind of an in-the-weeds policy thing that some of you may or may not have heard of, but embedded in what happened last night is a multi-layered dissection of what is wrong with immigration, what is wrong with the courts, the danger of what is going on, and what is wrong with this administration, and what is wrong with this phony movement that refuses to hold this administration accountable to the president's own campaign mandate and promise, and how we're just screwing up everything. This case is extremely important on so many political, legal, and policy levels. Now, first off, I just want to point out that today, March 1st, is the 15th anniversary of the Department of Homeland Security to begin with. I mean, now we're talking about Kirsten Nielsen. And what what a dumpster fire it's been. Largest department, no control over Everyone agrees, even if you had the best DHS secretary in the world, no one could control that department. The whole idea was to have someone focus exclusively on the homeland. You know, we have... All uh, all sorts of assets being put forth for other countries. What about us? And the understanding was that foreign policy and national security begins with homeland security. And the idea was to have under the auspices of one person all of the intel, even military assets, drugs, illegal immigration, everything that relates to the homeland to be under one department. But ultimately, while creating a massive bureaucracy, they left a lot of stuff at DOJ, other places, State Department. So it became a whole dumpster fire where it just added layers rather than unifying layers. So DA and FBI are still under DOJ. The federal prosecutors are there. But um, Border Patrol and ICE and Coast Guard was taken away from DOD put under DHS, classic example of just, you know, rather than attacking the policies, we just create bureaucracy. And that's why to this day, you know, there's great individual ICE agents, there's great Border Patrol agents, but the management is just terrible at so many levels. Horrible. And and, and next week, I really hope to get into this more, the mechanics of what CBP is doing wrong at the border even allowing for all of the catch and release and all just the mechanics of their whole strategy on managing rather than deterring and holding the line and stopping an invasion right at the border. Um, There's a lot to to talk about on that front. But anyway, DHS is a dumpster fire. So, you know, it's full of these same career bureaucrats that that, um, they're all pro-amnesty. So I want to discuss the political, legal, and policy problems that result from this. So first, let's let's tackle the legal stuff. Officially, where the administration is coming from is last October, 
this judge, Edward Chen, in San Francisco, put a universal injunction on Trump's termination of TPS status. By many measures, this is likely the most radical thing a judge ever did. So TPS is a discretionary temporary reprieve, not mandatory and permanent, temporary and discretionary. So meaning the law doesn't say you have to do it. It accords the um, attorney general at the time it was written in 1990, and now it's DHS secretary, the the power to implement implement it if they want to. But um, it's very clear about the parameters. So first off, TPS was not an amnesty program, and it was not for illegal immigrants. It was for people here legally. right? Let's say you're on a tourist visa, you're visiting a family, you're vacationing in Disney World, and basically in your home country, there is... I don't know, I mean, earthquake, mudslide, or what statute says is some other extraordinary event. So basically, sorry about that, just uh, knocked my chair over here. So basically, it was meant, like like a lot of these other programs, a a lot of us talk about loopholes. We need to plug the loopholes in the statute. And, And I'm the only one saying... Statute is not bad. They were written, you know, sanely. It makes a lot of sense. It was past executive branches have bastardized the statute. It's funny, like all these like libertarian Chevron people that are so into all, you know, administrative power. Somehow they're never bothered by the last 20, 30 years of administrative power um, violating American sovereignty when law clearly intends for certain parameters of immigration, and they violate it. Somehow it's never a problem. And then now the courts are codifying the previous administration's violations, not allowing Trump to merely follow the law, as we saw with with the DACA business. So, anyway, that's what it is. Now, how many people do you think would have TPS status if... It was applied properly. Right? How many people happen to be vacationing here, happen to be residing here legally for some reason, and can't return home at that moment because of a mudslide? Right? It should be very few people. Um, and again, if you understand it, it makes sense. Obviously, uh, we we want yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna force you out. You're here legally. You didn't, you know, and you can't return. It, it makes sense. And a lot of these programs are written that way. It's the same thing with the so-called unaccompanied alien child loophole. It's not a loophole. If you're kidnapped and severely trafficked against your will and you have no one here, we'll treat you like a refugee. How many people does it apply to? None of them. The people taking advantage are doing the opposite. They're doing the trafficking. So it's not the law that's the problem. So the law provides that we could give them rights to be here for six months and a work permit for six months. At their discretion, if they determine it's still needed, they have the power to to renew it for another six months, potentially in some cases total amount of time up to 18 months. And first of all, if if – it's not in the national interest or if the individuals are have criminal convictions, they're downright not allowed to give them that status. But either way, it's discretionary. Right? You don't have to issue it. Meaning, under this statute, if a country, you know, there's 50 nationals of a country that just had a earthquake that leveled the entire country and there's no way to get back, we could deport you. Right? It's totally, that's a political question. It's discretion. So what past administrations have done is, so what happened was this kind of dirty triangle between the NGOs, these Soros-funded legal immigrant, you know, these uh, legal groups and bureaucrats, 
they basically worked it out that they started having illegal aliens apply. So why do you think the lion, we have hundreds of thousands of these people, and these are just these four countries. We had like probably over a million. What, there's over a million people that happen to be visit? No, they're illegal aliens. That's why it's not a surprise that the lion's share is from da-da-da-da, El Salvador, because they were all illegal aliens. So I want you guys to understand, TPS is no different than any other. It's not like a special type of people. They are run-of-the-mill illegals like anyone else that were in the country illegally. Happened to be you had Hurricane Mitch and various things that occurred in Sudan in 1997, in Nicaragua in 1998, El Salvador in 2001, and Haiti in 2010. So they happened to be here illegally, and they just took advantage of it. And they just applied for it. It was totally illegal. They were not eligible. They were illegal aliens. They weren't here because they're legal and can't get back. They were illegal and needed to be deported. And certainly after the conditions cleared up, which they did kind of like, you know, a generation ago. But nonetheless, Clinton, Bush, and Obama just treated it as a permanent amnesty and kept extending it. Totally illegal what they did. In comes a judge and says that Trump must continue the status because he's a racist and it violates the equal protection law. I'm not kidding. This judge says, quote, listen to this, listen very carefully, that the decision that Trump did was, quote, based on animus against non-white, non-European immigrants in violation of equal protection guaranteed by the Constitution. So in one fell swoop, they applied the equal protection law, equal protection, to steal the sovereignty of all the citizens and apply it to the world, that there's equal protection in the immigration context. One fell swoop, decide a political question and say Trump's a racist. And therefore, for you, a temporary discretionary program is de facto permanent and mandatory. Now, never mind the fact that, by the way, much to our chagrin, at the same time Trump originally said he wasn't extending these four countries, he, he decided to extend TPS for Somalia. <laughs> so <clears throat> there's that. So they don't even have to be right. Like, you know, obviously they, they make up and a, a racism clause in the Constitution, not just against Americans, but against the world, as if that's a legal argument. And they're not even, I mean, it's totally fabricated because he actually continued it for Somalia, which is non-European and non-white. And it's Muslim too, so like, whatever. But anyway, um, you know, he. I think he cited Trump's comment of saying there's countries, assholes, where they come from. So I could say this, well, Trump extended TPS for the biggest asshole country of all. So there you go. Anyway, to take something that is discretionary and temporary, and the other administrations were violating the law. I mean, right away, Trump should have said, I, I have to follow the law. Hurricane Mitch cleared up 20 years ago. I, I mean, I can't, what do you want me to do? And they're illegals anyway. So that's number one. Number two... It's a universal injunction. That's illegal. Number three, number three, and this is very important. Statute explicitly, explicitly bars any judicial review of such a case. Again, the, the, the statute was written properly. They understood that this stuff becomes a cottage industry and they foreclosed any um, any court adjudication. 8 U.S.C. 1254 AB 5A. Quote, there is no judicial review of any determination of the secretary with respect to the designation or termination or extension of a designation of a foreign state under the subsection. Right, because you designate a foreign state as a TPS state and then they're eligible. What happens if Trump just comes tomorrow and just says, like, you know what? I'm doing what I want. Well, some people will say the emergency declaration is that, but there's statute for that. 
But everyone's concerned about that. Why is it the judiciary could blatantly violate statute, not just on the merits, but on their power to take the case? And no one has a problem with it. But again, he did this last October, and the administration didn't assert this. At least Trump Trump needs to try out his attorney general. You give a press conference, and you say what I'm saying. You give this pushback. They don't even push back. They legitimize it. Look, I don't blame Trump for him being savaged by the court's civil disobedience more than anyone. It's happening on his watch. But I'm sorry, once it happens on your watch, there's no middle ground. You have no choice. you got to confront it. Because if you don't, then you're complicit in setting a precedent and baseline that this is okay. And somehow they could come back and keep doing this. That somehow they control all illegal immigration and they can mandate, make denizens of aliens. That they could use political statements in a legal case. That they could ignore jurisdiction stripping uh, statutes. All of this stuff becomes a complete and total baseline. And what's amazing is there's something called Trump v. Hawaii. John Roberts' opinion just from last year saying that even if you would apply some sort of equal protection to to immigration context, you, you, you can't you have to look at the way something is applied and not a guy's political statements. It's that's not that's not a legal case, it's a political question left to the the electorate. And the judge does it anyway. So Trump could have just said, like, look, we just decided this. But no, this, there's so much depth to this in what I'm saying. This case embodies five, ten theses I put out on a number of reasons why the judiciary is irremediably broken, one-way street, one-way ratchet, dead end. The lower court liberals will always do what they want. The conservative lower court judges will never go more conservative. But we legitimize it. So now Trump... Rather than pushing back, is like, yes, sir, I'll extend it. Do you know the damage to that? There's nothing in that. I mean, you you have the unelected branches of government, executive and judicial branches, getting together now, making denizens of aliens against our will, our statutes. And think about it. Do you know what happens every year they get to stay? Guess what? They have kids done they're here anchor babies i mean that's the problem with all this stuff that's a force multiplier eligible for welfare oh no they're very productive no no, no, no. el salvador one of the poorest countries around no no you don't understand daniel these people let me tell you they're uh they're um amazing but anyway that's where we are with this and Trump just continues it. So that's the legal problem. The the policy problem, obviously, as I said, you know, we're stuck with them. All of the, you know, again, public charge, um, welfare, anchor babies, stolen sovereignty. I mean, this issue is very serious. And we and we and we, and we just don't just don't care. Just don't care. And then there's the criminality. Now, before we get to that, I just want to go over again. If you look at the countries, if you look at census data that was gleaned through by Stephen Camerata of Center for Immigration Studies, El Salvador immigrants in this country, which most of them are illegal, based on census data, 54% are at or below the poverty level. 60% use one means-tested program. Only 31% self-identifying the census is speaking English, quote, well. I mean, that, that, that is a big deal. This is something we can't ignore. Haiti. Haiti. 30, um, 38% at or near the poverty level, 43% on, on a means-tested program. 
I don't have the info for for Nicaragua or Sudan present, but there weren't there weren't that many from there. It was mainly those two countries. But then there's another problem here. People are forgetting. What do you think of when you when you hear El Salvador, MS13, gangs, violence? There's a reason why violence is going down in Central America while migration is going up, while crime rates are going up in sanctuary cities. Because they're coming here. We're bringing in the crime. They're not fleeing from it. Not all of them are like that, but a heck of a lot of them are. Guess what? By giving them TPS, they're actually protected. You know what judges are doing now? This has happened in Massachusetts, some other places. A guy that got TPS was was MS-13 guy. They cannot deport him. See, for most other statuses, you have to show good moral character. But not for TPS, because TPS is temporary. That was the whole point. So it has nothing to do. It's like, you can't get home. We're trying to, you're going to go home anyway. So there's a mudslide. So it's like, you know, it's not a matter of good moral character. We'll just wait till the mudslide. We'll get you home. But the very judges that then make it permanent, then say, well, but, but then they use the benefit of, well, you don't require good moral standing. You can't deport him. Think about of those 200, 250,000 El Salvadorans, how many problems we're going to have. Can't deport them now. Criminal aliens can't deport them. That's the policy. Then there's the politics. Remember Trump pushed by Kushner and all these guys, Lindsey Graham, all the people celebrated at CPAC, by the way. Lindsey Graham's a big hero. Remember when they said, not said, they they actually voted on this. They won't vote on criminal aliens, sanctuary cities, MS-13, enforcement, welfare, English language, 25, 30, 50 winning slam dunk, good policy, good politics ideas. Put the Democrats on defense. No, no, no. The one immigration vote we had was the amnesty bill of $5 billion in, in, war, in wall funding for extension of DACA and TPS. Guess what? Trump's extending it for a year for free. <laughs> you know, we, we were saying it wasn't worth it for the $5 billion. He's doing it for free. And here's what's so stupid about it. The very people like Kushner trying to barter amnesty for some stupid wall funding, partial wall funding, that seem to recognize how much of a bargaining chip it is, then they piss it away. But the reason why the Democrats never budged is because they knew they had, I said this about DACA and TPS is the same thing, they knew they had it in the bag. They knew that the Trump administration, either because of the courts, deference to illegal courts, also because they know that they kind of like politically, ooh, the TPS, these are real Americans, ooh, the kids, you know, they're too scared about the politics of it. So they want to extend it. So they know they have it in the bag. So when Trump says, look, you know, okay, I'll give you a three-year extension, they know they de facto have it. Officially, this iteration is only till 2020, but it's Charlie Brown the football. It's indefinitely extended. They're going to keep doing it. He had one opportunity to finally change. We've been extending it for 20 years. Once you blink once, you're done. You're totally done. Same thing with DACA. So we now gave it away so we don't even have a bargaining chip. Like, at least now that Trump screwed us on the budget bill, the one thing he could do is announce, all right, hey, Democrats, um, I'm actually going backwards. You're going to lose what you think you already have in the bag. I'm getting rid of TPS and I'm getting rid of DACA. Then maybe you can get them to the table if that's what you want to do. But no, they give it away. And then there's the final political point. Where the hell are my colleagues? Um, they're they're uh, drinking at Shepak. Yay, Kavanaugh, Jerusalem Embassy. I mean, these people are pathetic. I have never in my life seen a more pathetic profession than the so-called professional conservative movement. They're so self-defeating, they just don't care. 
They're having their lunch money stolen overnight and just don't care. Nobody will call out. And this is not the deep state. This is the shallow state. The people in the White House. Kirsten Nielsen. They're all Trump selections or appointees. So that's the story. I just I just thought you guys should know because if I don't put this out, no one else will. But that's what's happening here. We're having the courts win 50-year culture battles overnight without firing a shot, and they don't even get blowback. Like, at least push back a little bit. Complain about it. Do a press conference on it, even if you're going to cave and appeal and whatever, but at least... I mean, wait, pending the appeal, wait to do this. Wait another few months. No. Because we now have a government of, by, and for illegal aliens and not the American people. And, and, And the reason why I'm so into that is because that is something that almost every normal voter that's not a political hack understands. We don't need to reinvent the wheel on that. Could we at least have a government for Americans? And then we'll disagree. Socialism, capitalism, what sort of system you want among Americans. But could we at least not have to own the world? But no. They have their lobbyists and we're, we're, we're left out in the dark and the cold. We're saddled with MS-13 anchor babies. All political correctness. That's what it is. You know, as, as I'm recording here, CBP in Arizona put out, this week people who came are from Guatemala, Honduras, Mexico, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Ecuador, and Romania. Interesting. I told you guys, Romanian gypsies are coming. So um, that's there. But notice, you know, these are illegal aliens, and what, what happens is they wait until there's some sort of like hurricane or earthquake, and then they apply for this, and we give it to them. We have a court problem. We have a ju- judicial supremacy problem. And it's amazing. Like, a judge, a ju- a judge says, I'm adjudicating a case that I'm not allowed to adjudicate. I'm violating the sovereignty of a nation. I'm, I'm taking a temporary discretionary program and making it mandatory and permanent. I'm violating what the Supreme Court just said on Trump comments. And um, no one bats an eyelash. Again, look at all the stuff a judge has done, judges have done this week. And yet, there is no blowback. No blowback whatsoever. I never understood why all these people care about executive overreach, although selectively so. And I'll tell you, it all gets back to race and identity. We don't believe in equal protection, true equal protection anymore. That, that That's the sick irony. It's all protected classes, and if you're of the right ilk, We'll just bend the law. The law doesn't matter. Laws don't matter anymore. Just um, so, so sad. So sad. So um, that's where we are. And there's nobody out there putting out a vision. Because we have a movement that's all about CPACing and partying as an end to itself. That is the movement. The conservative movement is like a store that has the stuff in the window. I forgot what that's called. You know what I mean? The sample items of the store in the window without a store. I mean, normally, like, okay, like this is the sample. So, you know, you put on a conference, here's what we're doing, and then there's stuff behind that. We just have the sample without the store. We have the harmony without the melody. We have the icing without the cake. 
all the cla- clamoring and clattering and noise, soap opera personalities. It's one big selfie movement. While the left, they created a system, we agreed to the system, and they just, they win it every day. And they do what they can. They don't miss a beat. They don't miss a policy. I mean, could you imagine like, I don't know, a conservative judge just doing something? If you remember, one of the good judges that have has been appointed is Judge Ho to the Fifth Circuit. Like, So he's had some conservative opinions. And every time, like there's been the legal profession, they're writing, they're really bashing him. They notice that because they actually have a movement that A, believes in what they espouse, cares about it, is serious about implementing their ideas, and they're inexorably committed to seeing them through and and being victorious. And they're going to look for all the leverage points, all the plays, and they're going to make them. Force multipliers. What are the most important issues and strategies that will help us get them? And, and they, they think of everything. Now, I think of everything too. Because I, I actually believe in this. To me, I actually care. I'm not happy with, like, you know, I could take the edge off of what I'm doing slightly and just refrain from criticizing a couple of things and people and be much more respected and speak at CPAC and they were oh great yeah wow brilliant articles Daniel you have such a brilliant mind is you know I I could just bask in that I'm miserable because I, I this world is temporary we're here to do Micah six eight we're not this world is not an end to itself it's life is too short family is too important. I'm not going to waste my time with this. I want to make a difference. I don't just say Obamacare is going to destroy healthcare in America and fiscal solvency, both for the government or any middle-class family not wanting to be subsidized. It's not just a talking point. Like, I meant that. So when you go and now the entire Republican Party is okay with Obamacare, not just like, oh, shucks, we didn't have the votes or something – that no, they all deep down have adopted the philosophy behind it. I can't move on from that. That's a problem. Because, like, if I say this is a danger, security, fiscally, culturally, I'm not just doing it to stoke you up or to get publicity or to write a column. I actually mean it. Some of you might, you know, we have liberals who listen in. You might think I'm crazy and disagree with me, but you know I mean it. I'm not just doing it to make it up. So therefore, I have an obligation to do everything I can to make sure that doesn't happen. It's not a hyperbole. Because I actually actually believe it. A lot of these other people either don't believe it or don't understand it or a mixture of the two enough, don't believe or understand enough. All right, so I'll move on to the next fight and the next fight and the next inning and the next inning. Meanwhile, they look at everything individually. They don't put the picture together and recognize what's happening. We're not winning this. We're not winning these battles. And, you know, at this point, Trump really is our only hope. (laughs) Meaning in the sense that just temporarily... I mean, no one's going to challenge him from the right. That's for sure. It's just going to be from the left in a primary if there is one. Congress is done. That's gone. All we can do is think of what we can do executively. And I don't mean in an unlawful way. I mean to actually follow the law. Like, for example, part of what we were pushing with TPS wasn't like executive power. It's that, no, actually freaking follow the statute. So as it relates to the border, that's one thing we're going to be talking about. The wall is not going to be built. That That is already very clear. How many couple of miles he could fetch out here and there, you know, we could sit and tear each other apart of it, but it, it's not being built. The Fundamentally, it's not being built. 
And again, fundamentally, it was a piece of a puzzle that is a force multiplier with other conditions, but it's not. it wasn't the most important thing. So that's what we're going to be looking at. And that's what everyone else needs to be doing. Not a scorecard like, oh, did who, what? Did Trump get the better of that? Like, no, no. Like, you don't understand. You don't always hold the presidency with a guy like Trump who, with all of his flaws, is at least open to officially what conservatives have to say. So say it. Get in his face. And that's what we're going to think of. Think of. If nothing else, we're not doing anything on budget, healthcare, education, agriculture, nothing. Foreign policy is a dumpster fire. Gosh, this North Korea stuff, like, oh, man, geez. Look, I get it that the people criticizing him were suddenly all these leftists that literally got us to the position that we're in with North Korea, got him the nukes, gave him all sorts of concessions. You know, they have no right to criticize Trump. Suddenly they're strong on North Korea when no matter what, Trump has not yet really given too many tangible concessions. But yeah, I mean, I I can't, you know, there's still our problems. We still have to gauge what he's doing from a conservative perspective, and I just don't get it. But anyway, one thing he can do, unquestionably, is deploy the military. And that's what needs to be done. We're going we're gonna to talk about that more next week. The need to create a line right at the border. Build forward operating bases. Look, our soldiers need to be housed and trained and prepared anyway. Why not kill a bunch of st- birds with one stone rather than having them in all these countries in the world, either in stupid missions or just, just on bases, whatever, have them right on our border, not 30, 40, 50 miles away like the Border Patrol usually is, but holding the line where no one could get through, doing training exercises, threatening the cartels, chase them over the border. That will completely shake things up with the cartels. I mean, look, we are told that a president could do he, he could start wars anywhere without Congress. And indeed, the only thing Congress is going to object to is if Trump tries to pull out of those. All right. So can, can we not have our troops for our own border? I was speaking with with a couple of ranchers. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Isn't that why we have a government to protect property? But again, it's not just their property. It's through their property that they come in and eventually to the East Coast. So all these people laughing at the ranchers, oh, you're a bunch of kooks living on the border. But the joke's on them because so much of the violence and none of this is quantified. None of it is quantified in the FBI uniform crime statistics, most of them, much less identifying them as illegals. By the way, this whole business of illegals don't commit crime. So much of the increased violence in a lot of the cities is the transnational gangs, a.k.a. illegal aliens. But we got to have a vision. We got to have more than a conference of political dope. More, more ways than one dopes just um just a just a bunch of zombies we need leaders i mean it, I, and i'm not making fun of it it's nice to get 20 year olds 18 year olds involved but they can't be our leaders and we need people to get together and I, i'm trying to do this I'm trying to get like-minded people together, different ways, networking. I'm doing a lot. Look, I do it more than anyone. But again, keep in mind with all the issues I cover, I'm just one man and I have no resources, nothing, nothing. I have a keyboard and I have a microphone and that is it. I don't have any money behind me. I don't have anything. Um... There is no money, and that, that, that's a big part of the problem we need to really work out here. All the money is behind this vanity. We have vanity because that's where the money is. There is no money behind in fighting the current system in any way. 
I know it's a little depressing, but again, we got to recognize what we can do. And I committed this year when we started off, we're going to try to pursue the art of the possible. And that's what I feel. That's what I feel like, you know, certain issues we really have to educate the public on the immigration issue. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's very simple. It's an invasion. Stop it. Go to the line and don't let it come across. We're going to pick this up next week exactly at that point with what it means to hold the line at the border. Anyway, have a great weekend. Thanks for another terrific week. Um, Tuning in, reading our articles at Blaze Media. Really appreciate it. You guys are the best. Have a great weekend and God bless.